that's, uh, that's it from us. So we're going to take any questions, comments, uh, uh, points for clarification, and we can have a, a discussion um, about, about what you've heard tonight. Does, uh, are there any, anyone that wants to? Yes, we have a, a first contender. So the question is what's happening now with the, with the, with the population inside Kunduz um, and what is their access to surgical care like today? Um, yeah, I don't have all. I look at some colleagues who are around. Um, so there was another hospital in Kunduz that is uh, functioning but didn't have uh, exactly the same services as we have. Um, so the service we was delivering uh, maybe partially replaced or uh, by that service, but certainly not completely. And people will have to travel very far um, to find a good surgical uh, uh, help. And this is where, when we when we talk about the the, the death toll of 42 people in the, yeah. the attack that night, we also have to take into consideration the seven months that happened after that, where a fully functioning trauma hospital providing life-saving <laughs> surgery has been completely closed. Uh, so everyone that had access before to life-saving surgery has no longer, in the period of seven months, been able to access that care, except for some uh, other medical actors, the provincial hospital, for example, that stepped in uh, in some small cases to fill the gaps. But the death toll continues to mount uh, in terms of the, the, the loss of life from this, uh, from this strike. So, Jonathan? Okay, so the question is, uh, the, the attack was, uh, happened uh, for a period of, a, of an hour while MSF was notifying the, the American army that we were under attack. So have we negotiated any kind of system to, to better prevent this kind of thing uh, from happening, right? Uh, okay, <laughs> great, thanks. Um, so yes, the, 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 the yeah, MSF did, and just to clarify, when, when the first 12 minutes after the first uh, strike or the first uh, hit on the hospital, MSF was uh, 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 contacting different US Army uh, people that we had contact with in Afghanistan to alert them to the fact that we were being hit. And yet the strike continued. There's a discrepancy between the US version which says it went on for 30 minutes and the MSF internal uh, uh, review of the events which, which shows that it went on for longer than this. So there's a discrepancy in that. Concretely, yes, the, the channels of communication with all of the different uh, armed groups we've had to review since this kind of incident. With incidents of this magnitude, we've had to review our channels of communication with each of the, of the groups. What's been confirmed by the US is that we did contact the correct people when we were being hit. So the contact that we made eight, 12 minutes after the first strike was actually to the right person. So again, it's, a, it's an indication of uh, there's only so much we can do. We can provide GPS coordinates, we can, uh, we can be in a massive compound that was, that's uh, in, not mistakable as any other structure but at a hospital, um, and we can call the correct person to notify them of the attack, and this in the instance of Kunduz shows that it's not enough. So there's a certain amount that needs to be done, and we've had negotiations about how to improve this kind of communication in the future, but the, the, the reassurances are, are still needed that go beyond you know, we'll pick up the phone when you call us. We need, uh, we need more than that after this kind of... Uh, Maybe just one clarification, because again, it's, it's not a coincidence that uh, we were able to phone the right people after 12 minutes uh, uh, in the middle of the night at 3 o'clock in the morning. That is actually part of those negotiations uh, where we insist 
to have an actual hotline uh, to the central command for exactly this. Uh, these, these are not phone numbers that you would find in the yellow pages, the, the force commander of the US uh, special forces. So the, 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 the onus is actually uh, more or less on them because these are the contact numbers that they gave us. So if their own internal system for making sure that this information gets to the right people is not functioning, there's not much we can do in it. We have to rely, we say we need a contact to the, uh, the most direct contact to the decision-making person as possible. And they gave us, they give us that contact and whatever happens uh, in that chain afterwards is frankly their issue, not ours. Okay, we have uh, yes here and then, uh, then anyone. Uh, four or five days ago, I mean, the uh, American government released their investigation report, and I, if I may recall, they said three things, uh, a human error, equipment failure, and that the uh, American forces didn't know they were targeting a hospital. So how credible is this report, and how far can go MSF to believe in this, uh, this report? since MSF is giving uh, the uh, MSF hospital coordinates to, to them. Thanks. Francoise? I mentioned the fact that the issue, I mean, we could not be left with believe or not believe. And um, we have no, no real means to challenge. And uh, what is really difficult is that they actually, they plead guilty you know, to the very end. Uh, the, the, the last element that we can say, when everything is malfunctioning, you cannot ring, phone, see, whatever, maybe you should cancel the attack. Specifically because it was proven that it was not an emergency. And they, they, they flew over the hospital 68 minutes. There was no uh, self-defense, no one under fire. So when you, 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 the full system is broken, uh, maybe you just cancel the attack and get prepared for tomorrow. The other thing about credibility is one of the reasons why immediately after the attack, MSF asked for an independent investigation is exactly for this, uh, for this problem. It's extremely difficult to, to talk about credibility when, any, uh, when you we're reading the findings of their own investigation into themselves. Uh, so this is something that's going to be an open uh, question for us in the absence of an independent investigation. Omar. Yeah, okay, so the question is, was there a response from the, the Taliban to, uh, to the attack? Yes, there was a, a response from the, from, the, uh, from the Taliban in denouncing the, the, uh, the attack on the, on the hospital. And yes, we've had discussions ongoing, as we have in the past, with, the, with the, the armed opposition, with the Taliban, about going forward, what this means for our ability to work and to treat uh, all sides of the, of the conflict. So there was a very strong, as you can imagine, reaction from them immediately after the, uh, after the attack through social media, through, uh, through press releases, um, and, uh, and there's a discussion that MSF has had with them afterwards. I don't think it's, it affected it in a, in a negative way, so I don't think they, obviously they didn't blame MSF for, uh, for, uh, for, being, uh, for, for the hospital being bombed. Um, and in terms of in, uh, strengthening the relationship, it's, it's part of an ongoing discussion that we, that we have with them, so I, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's part of the ongoing negotiation process. So. Okay. Um, first, there was in Kabul when the hospital was bombed, and then we had you know, coordination to deal with all the consequences of this happening for a week before 
the prizes management team come and takes over. And then actually the very first question that we were asked when we started receiving people surviving from attacking Kabul is that we were told it's a safe facility. And why are we bombed then? And how are we going to make assurance that this is not going to happen again? And it was very difficult to answer the question. Um, with all the emotions uh, involved in the, the attack, but we have to explain all what we have done to say this is a facility protected and this communication has been communicated to everybody. And then in continuation, what, whether there are uh, actually services, there are no services actually because in the northern eastern part, uh, part of Afghanistan, it was the only facility of its kind. So other referrals are actually coming to the hospital from bordering the So it's a, those people are completely really now having no adequate access to such services that we are providing. Now, having this in mind, so, but then we can argue again because we are working in Helmand where some sort of instability now is working in a hospital. <laughs> it's even a provincial hospital. What guarantees do we have for our staff to work still in hospital in Helmand and even in Kabul because we are supporting two hospitals. So actually this could be somehow um, replicated to Kunduz. Yes, I, I, I don't want actually to be in a position where I have to deal again with such a thing It was really horrible. But it's a question, is it fair that I would like to challenge ourselves? Okay, because if this risk exists in Afghanistan, it exists in other places where we work in Afghanistan. My other question is about the independent uh, investigation committee. Obviously, the guys are not going to become independent. What are we going to do? Okay, I'm going to take uh, Lisa behind the, and then I promise I'm going to come. I was wondering if you could elaborate a little more on what the U.S. report had to say specifically about the CIA and whether or not the recent bombing of hospitals might be used politically now to try to force the U.S. government to force the CIA out of military operations since they're a civilian organization and by definition, civilians engaging in our conflict is a prima facie war crime. So I'm wondering if there's some way to kind of spin this, whether MSF could do it or whether MSF has thoughts about this, but was there anything in the report itself that discusses specifically the role of the CIA in the bombing or in the content? Okay, let's take, maybe do you want to react to Eman's uh, point? Yeah. Well, indeed, we thought the hospital was safe. So not only, I mean, everybody, as I said, we to go back into Afghanistan, we did not improvise. We looked at the needs that we had the support of the community. We looked at all the warring parties, as Michiel was explaining. We respected our own rules of keeping the hospital neutral. We'd given the identification of the hospital to the right people. We had obtained the right phone numbers. Uh, we work under IHL, so what more can we expect? And, and we bomb bombed. So, of course, we thought uh, you can always have a, a wrong moment, wrong time, and, and, and have an accident, but a bombing like this, 
was not in the scenario foreseen, of course not. So, um, so everybody thought it was safe, so we share that concern. And then for the future, indeed, you're right. Uh, that's why I say the stakes are very high, and that's why we ask very clear reaffirmation of the respect of medical action in the front line that we can treat anybody we want, and just say that it's a mistake is not good enough. And it's giving the wrong message. It's giving the wrong message not only to the US Army, but to many other warring factions. So we need stronger uh, reaffirmation of that, and that's what we're working on. In the meantime, and it's of course, and you know very well in MSF how we do try to make our, our, our decisions, weighing the risk to the benefit and so on. And um, we're trying to do as best as we can without becoming, because that's another thing we have to be clear, without becoming completely risk averse, because that's not what we want to do. We want to work there where the needs are so high and, and, and not a lot of people are, are delivering the care we can deliver. So uh, we have made the balance that for the moment we can continue in Helmand and Khost and, and in Kabul, but we agree it is, uh, it is something that we have to continuously evaluate and now we need an MOU specifically for Afghanistan and we're pushing very hard, including from the Afghan army. Eh? We should not underestimate their role in this. This is very important. We now speak about the US, but the Afghan army is as equally important to get that clarification. And I pass to uh, Françoise uh, mm, for the CIA, perhaps. Or if no, you... no, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll send you a letter. <laughs> no, I mean, this is, uh, this is uh, of course, an important element. Uh, it's not a complete, uh, you know, um, scoop that uh, uh, the way uh, wars are, are, are fought as imply intelligence, implies many different uh, um, military bodies, uh, special forces, police forces, and now we, we on on one side you may have five or six different uh, body, domestic, foreign supposed to interoperate. So frankly, the interoperability of all those uh, networks that are supposed to connect together is poor. And uh, part of the mistakes, uh, although it's, it's frightening, but uh, maybe it's, it is also the reality. The, the, the interoperability of all this is crap. This is it. And I think people that do intelligence, they always think that they are intelligent and that the information they have is the information and you know checking cross checking and so, and so on and so forth and intoxication goes with uh, information and war is starts first with propaganda intoxication so i mean of course uh, this is a clear uh, concern for us and this is why the negotiation also of the mou uh, is still a very crucial moment for us to engage in depth on all the hurting points and that we are allowed to ask all questions and to ask for all guarantees because it's not that we are, you know, we are frightened about things that will never happen. This case is so strong that we are very legitimate. It's not to forget now about the investigation, but the investigation is done. It is that, okay. But the negotiation of the MOU is, is also a second time, then, and we feed this negotiation with all what we get from the other side. Obviously, there's still a lot, a lot to do on that. Okay, I'm going to take a last. Just one, uh, one note on the, 
the CIA because uh, they were actually part of the whole array of people that we had to negotiate with because in Afghanistan they operate their own uh, military hardware, uh, most famously the, the drone uh, uh, what I call the assassination program is uh, run by the, 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 the CIA. Uh, and that was actually one of the most bizarre conversations uh, because uh, you kept on talking to uh, about issues that officially didn't exist. So you continuously had this conversation like, the, okay, from this drone base that uh, you can't den uh, confirm or deny that exists, uh, could you make sure that these drones that officially don't exist do not attack the hospital that I can assure you does exist? <laughs> so it gives you a flavor of uh, what, what it was like. Anyway. Thanks, Mickey. We're going to take a last, uh, last uh, two or three questions, and then we're going to wrap up. Uh, you then. So... Uh First, we said that MSF's main goal is not to seek justice, but rather future protection for further operations. And we also said that uh, all of us know that the U.S. took legal action, which is basically not proportionate to the, to the accident that took place, or maybe not an accident. Uh, we, also said, we also know that this is, this is not the first time it happens, and it won't be the last time. But the sad thing is that nothing seems to be changing from time to time. So my question is, uh, how would I, as a medical student, uh, be encouraged to volunteer with MSF or work with MSF in the future when I don't see that my protection is guaranteed in the front lines and in war zones? Excellent question. <laughs> excellent question. Uh, that was an excellent question. We're Anne and then... Uh, okay, so the, the question is how confident are we with the negotiations for some kind of guarantee? Uh, going forward or some kind of reassurances going forward and if we're not confident what are the reasons for the pushback that we might be facing uh, There's another question at this table. No, okay, that's uh, I'm gonna ah, I'm missing someone Where? Yes, I'm <laughs> yes, I'm, and then we uh, sorry So I was wondering since you know we attempted to do an independent investigation and talk to the UN Security Council and all that have we ever considered as, as MSF other sorts of uh, protest actions in front of the US embassies or taking the case to, I don't know, the British courts or the Spanish courts that have universal jurisdiction to arrest the American president or a general? Have we ever considered that rather than going to the UN Security Council that keeps on bombing us? Thanks, Yasin. Uh, Mania and then Francois. Uh, the Belgian, yeah, the Belgian courts are our favorite. Um, how can we encourage you as a medical student to come to work for MSF? Well, we try to do good work. Uh, we try to care for our staff. We try to, uh, to negotiate as best as we can for the security of our staff. And if we think it is uh, completely, uh, if it become too dangerous, we pull out, but we are not risk averse. Uh, but you're right, we... Um, we haven't had the impact yet to stop the bombing of, of, of the medical action and especially this last year has been a very heavy year and, and we discussed it yet today and will continue tomorrow. So uh, we're trying to, as ye uh, yesterday in the Security Council, to address it, to make our voice heard, to, uh, to denounce every time. I think uh, after the Kunduz, we did raise our voice uh, quite heavily and we resisted the changing narrative of the Americans time after time. It was collateral damage and it was a misdemeanor, and it was this and it was self-defense. And we every time said, no, no, we, this is not enough. So I think uh, the resistance that we gave has definitely been hurt. 
and, and we've been told, uh, as, as well as by the Afghan uh, government. Um, so we, we shouldn't shy down. Uh, we have to denounce every time and continue to do and use our voice because especially a lot of doctors in Syria, I'm thinking, and nurses are being bombarded who don't have that, that microphone that, that we have. Um, so it's our duty to continue to do that. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's your own personal choice because we're not risk averse. So we can't give you any real guarantees on, on your security, but we try to do our best. And then on the MOU, how confident are we uh, about the, the, the continuation? You, you can take that, okay. You should come work with us anyway. <laughs> I will anyway. Yeah, yeah. Jihan will recruit you. Yeah, maybe a comment on, on what you were saying. I mean, uh, have, we've, have we done enough? Have we done the right thing? Uh, could we do better? Um, I just want to make one comment. Um, I think we've done more for this case than for any other, and um, we have been able to um, create a real uh, debate about that also because within the US uh, democracy, let's say, uh, there was a lot of people that have put pressure on that, it is not acceptable. So it has not get a notice. We may not believe everything, we, but, and the debate, the debate about the CIA, I mean, frankly, after the release of the report, it was the uh, US NGO that were the strongest and the more aggressive, and uh, let's say, this will be their job also because we cannot be, I mean, we, we are in a number of countries and we have also to, uh, Focus our our energy uh, on you know make, being being relevant everywhere. So and we cannot just make our case with the U.S. on one's event and forget about the others. Huh? So this being said, uh, for the the you know the going to court, um, there's a lot that is said about that, but it's quite difficult. First, because going to court for criminal action, you need to be an organization cannot go. It's only individual for criminal action. And for the universal jurisdiction principle, I mean, um, it would require a foreigner to have been killed. Fortunately, no foreigner was killed. And meaning that Afghan, they have to bring their claim in Afghanistan in front of an Afghan tribunal. This is it. And then, of course, there are some agreement between the Afghan and the government that are, you know, helping military the Afghan government to limit the ability to sue. But still, Afghan can bring their case in front of Afghan tribunal. And uh, for all those war crimes, the ability to sue is, is, is not easy when you have no, let's say, criteria for action, being foreigners. This is an element. Then you have the International Criminal Court. But the International Criminal Court is, I mean, we, no one can go there on its own. The International Criminal Court is already investigating on Afghanistan, like they are trying to investigate. They have cases open uh, on a number of conflict. It's a way also to put pressure for the negotiation, to, to, to get the sense of responsibility of the one, uh, you know, doing the war. But we cannot activate that, and I think as a professional and reliable 
uh, we will not advise people to do something that is just illusion. It is not possible. And then if we go further, the ICC cannot trial single element. They do broad pattern. The ICC would be the right forum to trial pattern of attack on hospital in Syria. Because it's not a single event, but it's a full pattern where the government doesn't want to act. The, you know, on Kunduz, the American has said they've taken the responsibility and they dealt with their responsibility. So we have to, to take the lesson from that. We sh at least we could at least uh, offer all other states to be as clever as and to do also investigation and to open room for discussion, negotiation, and uh, and I think and to answer for the, the, the you know the security, definitely I think the the. the the trouble we made since six months, we've been everywhere, you know, uh, bothering everyone, saying we will never shut up, we want to go through. Uh, I think a number of parties to the conflict today uh, will prefer to bomb non-MSF hospital than MSF hospital. This is not enough for us. This is not enough. Okay, just to the final uh, point, just to respond to, to your point on how confident we are in the process of negotiations that we're going into now. It's what, what, the, what any negotiation reveals is the weak points in terms of what, what can be agreed and not. And what we see with any kind of discussion that we're having going forward is clearly where the points of tension are when it comes to concretely the protection of, uh, of hospitals and the different interpretations of the rules that exist. So one of the, the main sticking points that we see not only in our negotiations with the US but other, other armies is the issue of law enforcement and the raiding and arresting patients from hospitals. This is something that is extremely difficult for us as MSF to continue to, to bring back on the table as something that's unacceptable for us to be operating in a hospital where we can expect special forces to storm through the door and drag patients out of the bed. So what's important with Kunduz is that, yes, it was an attack from the air in an aerial strike, but it's not the only kind of attack that we can have on a, on a hospital. We can also have patients arrested. We can also have uh, supplies blocked. We can, there's multiple ways to, to, uh, to, to attack a hospital. And these are the negotiations that we have to, that what Kunduz has done has catalyzed us to interrogate each of these uh, aspects. And that's what's important, and that's what's difficult, and that's why it's going to be a long process going forward to, to reach those uh, agreements. Um, Mainly, yeah. do you want to say the last, uh, yeah. last one? No, I, I wanted to continue on, on, on your question. Uh, we have here with us, because there are many MSFs in this room, and we have uh, Declan with us. He is a pediatrician, and he was the medical coordinator just a couple of weeks before the attack. And uh, this afternoon, uh, during the break, he was asking me, Many, when do we reopen, because I want to return to Kunduz. So Declan, I would like to, you to give you the microphone and explain why, do you want to like, why would you like to return to Kunduz? We like putting people, people on the spot. You're asking the right question, and that's the right question to, to be asking. There are no guarantees of the truth, but that's the question my mother asks as well. So <laughs> yeah. like, okay. And just to say that MSF, and this is what I, why I do the work, and I was in Libya and Syria and here, 
MSF has a huge security apparatus that goes through all of this, you know, uh, the way you outline. So that gives us gives me the confidence. I just want to mention something uh, about the staff um, there. That week, many of them left, brought their families to safety, and returned to the hospital to work. Sorry. Um, the national staff, they, um, who, some of them during the week that, uh, up to October 3rd, they left and they came back to work because they believed it was a safe space. The journey back was not safe, but they believed it would be. And that uh, obviously was not the case. But the reason I want to go back, and this is why we do the work, is the work that was being done there for the six months while I was there was, was profound. It really was. We had patients that would have struggled to survive with injuries anywhere in the world, and they were surviving. We had mechanical ventilation. We, had, we were treating really complicated. Blast injuries are complex. They're dirty. They're polytrauma. You have chest, head, abdominal injuries. And these, were, these patients were, not all of them, we had a very low mortality rate. The survival, I was shocked. I probably shouldn't be as a medical person, but. The work that was done, we were full almost every night. Uh, there is no way the local hospital could do what we were doing. That's why we were there, because they couldn't. Uh, and so we have missed months of lives saved. But the lives that were saved and the work we did and the belief we gave the community that this is what they deserve, that, that, that in itself for everybody we didn't treat, they believed that this was a place they could come to and get the care and that belief. That's what makes it worth it. And so to go back and be part of that again, and that's what the national staff, I have a bias towards, I only talk to the ones who can speak English, because I I'm, don't speak Dari. Uh, but the ones I'm talking to from Kunduz, they're asking the same question. They lived through that night, uh, thankfully, and they're still wondering, we have our population, we have patients that need to be seen. And that, that need is not going away. And that's why they want to work, and I want to be with them. Thank you very much, everyone, for uh, for coming and for sharing in this discussion with us. We're gonna we're gonna close it there because it's uh, it's late, but we're gonna be sticking around, having a drink, so you can come and talk with us. Thank you.